Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and people in attendance at home, from parts unknown, here are your hosts, Jason Turtleneck Hilton and legendary luchador Gringo Fantastico. It is now time for Headlines, Headlocks, and Hijinks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of Headlines, Headlocks, and Hijinks with Jason the Turtleneck Hilton and legendary luchador and in his own mind, Gringo Fantastico. And today, we have a special guest who's going to hang with us. My arch my arch nemesis in the lucha world, Ophidian. So, uh, I, I I think what you meant to say is the venomous and vile master of snake style, Ophidian. Fair enough. That is what I meant. You still have a crappy <laughs> plot show now. <laughs> oh, shit. Nah, your planche is way better than mine. At least you're aerodynamic. I fall like a ton of bricks. <laughs> and everyone's planche is better than top dollar. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, poor top dollar. We'll try to stay more positive because the video always has really positive things to say about the business and about, you know, things. And it's really going to be kind of cool to get an insight and a little bit of positivity injected into the show for once. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I will say that uh, I'm pretty happy with what's going on, Cottony. Um, I'm gonna lower myself a little bit. It looks like I'm peaking. Here we go. Um, I'm pretty happy with what's going on in the world of professional wrestling. Obviously, there are things to complain about, but overall, I think things are going pretty well. You know, uh, compared to where we were at, let's say like a decade ago, man, things are really in a different direction. <laughs> Oh, I'm yeah. especially happy the Elite re-signed with AEW. Like, there was all that talk of the Young Bucks going to WWE, where they have a floundering tag division at best. Let's keep them where they can actually do their stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Because they, I don't know, I don't think they would have worked out over there. I just don't, they, they, as far, and also since they're like being the EVPs of AEW for so long and so used to like being able to, kind of run things so they're going to go over there and then get told what to do by triple h i don't think that's going to stir the kool-aid for them to be honest it would instantly heal vince mcmahon's back the instant they give advice and he just sits up like the undertaker to walk forth and go no <laughs> so we usually kind of go through the shows and stuff and we talk a little bit about you know what's going on for the week we got SummerSlam coming up this weekend so and I'm actually like, kind of positive about it because um, a lot of the matches that they are going to have on the card, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing. Now, whether or not they meet up to my expectations, that is that's yet to be determined, but we'll see. So, I don't know. What do you guys think, think about SummerSlam card? Uh, the top of the bill is probably um, the match that I have been aching for. I am... Despite uh, the way the majority of the internet feels, I am happy that Roman still has the belt. And uh, I'm even happier that we have this uh, opportunity for Jay uh, to fight for it. Um, I think that since this is where the story started, it's appropriate that while obviously we, none of us here know whether or not it's ending right now or you know if it's going to keep going. To me, it doesn't matter. I think as long as uh, 
it's going in the way that it is as long as it is still as entertaining as it is and it's obviously um getting ratings you know smackdown had its highest rated segment in the last what five years a couple weeks ago with um uh, with the uh, with the bloodline story stuff, and that's been happening regularly on every SmackDown, right? Like they they are the top rated segment. They are drawing in new viewers with it. It's obviously the, the money was keeping the belt on Roman, and uh, Jay is uh, above and beyond um, what anybody probably predicted that he, you know he would be. It's awesome. It's awesome to see. That is the one um, one of the main things about WWE that I do enjoy. I do think that a little bit of the bloodline feud has been kind of, I don't know, it's been convoluted a little bit since WrestleMania. Uh, more Not necessarily since WrestleMania, but like shortly after WrestleMania, like when they started having the whole split and like all the dissension between everybody. Um, but I do like, I'm really excited to see Jey Uso get a main event. And I don't know, what do you think? You think he's going to go over? Uh. I don't know if now is the appropriate time. I mean, who knows, right? Like with somebody like Jay and the audio, the, the people are behind him. Um, this isn't a character that um, a loss, you know, would help him. You know, like, like with Cody, a loss is okay for Cody. His popularity is not going to go anywhere, right? Like Cody didn't need to win to still maintain his level on the card. But Jay isn't the same, right? Jay's never had a major win. Jay's never had you know i mean in this sense obviously he has they wrestle i don't mean that tag obviously they've done what they've done in the tag team world but when it comes to single stuff like this like it's it's hard to say i would love to see jay beat roman at SummerSlam, absolutely but if they didn't i would understand uh why you know if it didn't happen yet and they played it out till royal rumble i hope not till mania um but not not because i don't you know i, I just don't think it's appropriate to keep going with jay um till mania um, when you can do it now at SummerSlam, like that's a major enough event for him to win. I wouldn't want to see him win at like Money in the Bank or No Mercy or whatever random pay per view. You know, like that it doesn't mean as much unless it's at one of the main four, right? Survivor Series, Rumble, Mania, or SummerSlam. What's your take on it? I personally have Roman winning. Like I love Jay. I love what he's done. I just don't see him as the champion right now. Uh, what was it I had here? They're also, in my opinion, they're probably going to explore Solo versus Roman at some point. Yeah, that's fair. I think there's, I yeah, that's what we were talking about before. Is we, as my, I would love to see Jay go over. I'm with you on that. I think that would be super rad to see that happen because I'm a big Jay Uso fan. Um, and the only thing I can't see about it is like what what's going to happen. That I don't know if Jimmy. I don't read the dirt sheets that often, so. I don't know if Jimmy is injured for real or if they just have him off as far as story goes to kind of feed this storyline. But my thing is that Jay goes over by some odd oddity. Do what do they do with Jimmy? I don't know, but if the oddities help him, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think John Tint is going to be around to help anybody. No, no but Kurgan's still out there. Yeah, yeah the Kurgan, yeah. Gosh, who, who else was it? Who was those giant, giant Silva? You know, and... I love whenever Kurgan just pops up in some random movie. Like he was in the Sherlock movie with Robert yeah. Downey Jr. So the fight happens and any wrestling fan at the movie theater like, get the fuck out of here. That's Kirk. 
I felt yeah. that way about Nathan Jones when he had that run in like the late 2000s, uh, like uh, early yeah. 2010s, but he was just popping up around, like in Troy. I think, yeah, I think he fought Brad Pitt in that movie. He did, uh, yeah. yes. He was in some other weird. I was the. Do you remember the the vignettes for for Nathan Jones when he came into WWE? Yeah, he when he's like, walking through the prison, he's like, "It's Nathan Jones." <laughs> I just wanted to hand him a Foster's. Like every time they said, I was like, "Here." Like a Foster's. It sounded like a really weird wrestling Foster's commercial. Hey, everybody, Nathan Jones here from WWE and Foster's. <laughs> oh, Sounds <shit>. about right. <laughs> um, but I don't know. This is a story that, um, to me, uh, is once in a lifetime. And I don't mean like I know it's uh, that's it's hyperbole, right? Professional wrestling is 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 built upon hyperbole, but this it's genuinely true. You have a family here that has a lineage within professional wrestling that's unmatched. There's no other family that has this much tenure within the wrestling business that's still active at this level, right? So you've got uh, these guys that whose parents are even, you know, who or not parents, but the family that came before them are still alive. And there's so much that you can do here, whether Jay or, you know, wins or loses, there's still so much story that could be told with, um, their lineage within professional wrestling uh nothing like this exists their story the head of the table story all of this stuff cannot be replicated at all because there's no other family there's no other family that is family like this in wrestling and that are all competing at this level um i think that that's if more than anything it's an appropriate even if jay only um you know to, to use the, the uh, that uh, term transitional champion even if he's just a transitional champion for somebody else to pick it up i think it's more so a reward for the audience it's a reward for um sticking through the storyline to give jay i don't mean jay himself a reward but i mean for the audience like you needed somebody that uh can beat roman clean jay is believable to beat roman clean but just for the family aspect you know just all, all those little things yeah, I'm honestly amazed. Touching on the family, they haven't brought in someone like Rikishi yet. Like, bring him in as like a pep talk or something. Now, I draw the line at giving Roman a stink face. That's where I say we went too far. Now, <laughs> uh, they keep bringing up the elders and uh, uh, Sika and Rikishi and those guys. I mean, uh, the head shrinkers showed up on that Raw what last year or so after Mania. Yes, um, clearly that they're game to show up. Afa and Sika. And yeah. Haku is still around. Well, yeah, I think he's on the to the Tongan side. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, him and, and Barbarian and uh I don't know. Like it's it, uh, the it, guys it, in New Japan. I don't I've who's Gorillas I, of I, Destiny. I, thank you, Gorillas of Destiny, yeah. Yeah, we were discussing that maybe they were gonna bring them in when the as the, since the Usos left, they were gonna bring them in to start the new bloodline and then they were gonna have like a one would say a bloodline feud uh, <laughs> um when we were discussing also last week how we think it would be cool to have like it'd be cool if they did something eventually not right now because because the storyline they have going is fine bring like do the tongan lot the tongan bloodline versus the samoan bloodline like that would be some mate that would be some insane matches you know getting those guys in against each other i think that would pretty, be pretty freaking rad 
Now, granted, the only flaw is at some point they have to put up a giant map and go, okay, here's where everything is and why it matters. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tamina's like, Fiji's over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like so, they have to have their Anderson Cooper moment where they lay out where everything is that no one's heard of before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's it's really cool like to see how it's developed. Just from a just from a, a storyteller, um, and a writer standpoint, it's very interesting because they went in a direction I didn't think they were going to go, because I thought that they were going to keep going with this for a lot longer than they did. I didn't, and and it really kind of like at first I didn't like what they were doing because it, it it was really cloudy, like it didn't make a lot of sense at first, like when they had like Jay jay leave and then he came back and, and then like kick you know other people in the face and then all of a sudden like now they're fighting and it was like it took me a little while and i'm still to the point where i'm kind of like not all the dots are connecting on that story with me you know what i mean but the stuff that they are doing i like it's just that as a whole i think that they've i don't know if they've called some audibles or something in the middle of it they're like okay well, let's try this you know and didn't have something mapped out entirely but you know that I mean, whatever. It's like, who the fuck am I to say anything? <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I don't know. It's it's really weird. So I I was kind of hoping that they were going to do something. I'm hoping they still do this. It would be nice to see Roman drop that title whenever he does decide to drop it, or whenever they decide to have him drop it. And that's because uh, I don't want to see the Rock and Roman fight for the title because that's stupid. You know what I mean? There's the Rock. That, that's there's no reason for that. But to have like a grudge match where there's no title involved between The Rock and Roman Reigns would be kind of cool. You know what I mean? Because once get the title out of that picture, because that doesn't matter. That's why I was kind of okay that he didn't come back already. You yeah. know. Um, no, if SmackDown is any inclination, not inclination. If SmackDown is any indicator, then apparently he's feuding with Grayson Waller for reasons. Who is? The Rock. They keep razzing each other on social media. Oh, that's where so they could probably pull another like random celebrity match show up, like one off. That doesn't make fair, the, sense. The Rock doesn't interact with a lot of wrestlers on Twitter. He's yeah. very, um, you know, he's obviously, I mean, the dude's all over social media. He's got what one of the largest followings on the planet, not just, you know, of like a US celebrity, but the dude is huge. Um, and somehow still finds the time to respond to everything you know, on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah makes me wonder like half the time it's probably him and half the time it's probably someone else running his account and they're just like what do you want us to say he's like just say that because yeah. <laughs> i know a lot of a lot of people that i know um have like handlers on social media and it's like i wish i did because fuck me like i can't keep up with shit half the time and even i'm not trying to toot my own horn but it's hard to get editing done you know, while I'm trying to social media juggle too, because I'll be in the middle of editing something and then like I'll end up some will go off and I'll have to check my Twitter and then I'll spend 25 minutes of editing time checking my Twitter and then going back to whatever. <laughs> it's fucking obnoxious. <laughs> but it is what it is. I don't I like I like talking to people and stuff on social media. I typically have no I don't have any negative I've never really had any negative experiences since I you know, started on there as Fantastico, but prior to that, I did. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, 
so yeah, be, yeah, like I said, it'd be cool to see Jay. I, either way, and I totally get what you're saying too, because if Jay goes over, that'd be awesome. But if Roman does, I understand it. I'm right on. Yeah. I'm I'm the same with you on that whole thing. So it makes sense. I still was kind of pissed when Cody didn't go over. I was like, that was the thing. That was how cool that was, though, is that I was pissed off when Cody won the Rumble because I was really hoping they were going to do more with Sami Zayn and Roman than what they did because that was such a hot like storyline and it was just kind of like almost like Sammy was a weird like inciting incident that caused everything as opposed to Sammy being the one you know what I mean so it, that was really weird I thought that was strange because I wanted I basically just wanted like Sammy to get in the rumble and then like the other you know the other bloodline people were in the rumble and Sammy accidentally threw someone out and then it started off that way and Sammy ends up winning or on accident or something. It would have been funny. Been interesting. It's understandable why they didn't put it on Sammy and why they got the tag belts instead, right? The tag belts and the first night of WrestleMania, because they made a minute with the Usos, was the reward, right? For or not the reward, but the hey, like you you are over, you did your job. Here's the proof of it. I if the belt is meant to elevate a performer, if the belt is there to say, hey, this man has gone from one level to another, Sammy's already done that. Sammy doesn't need a belt to uh, move from mid-card to main event. Like, he gets, if on any show, uh, there are very few people that can rival the pop that Sammy Zayn gets from an audience, right? That's why he comes out after Kevin, right? Like, Kevin comes out first. And then Sammy comes out, right? Like, there's a reason for that. And uh, there there was never a need. Like, as far as, like, behind-the-scenes stuff goes, just looking at it, obviously, I don't know personally, but he didn't need the belt. The belt is there to elevate the performer. And where, like, a J needs the belt in order to, that's where, like, a loss hurts him, right? As if you want to keep him as a main eventer, that is. If there's no intention of keeping him as a main eventer and this is his, hey, like, this is it for him, then it, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but... I don't. I don't think Sammy ever needed it, um, in order to be there. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Like I, I still would have. I'm. I've always been a. I was always a huge, like, one of the reasons why I became a luchador, like, to what I am, is because I was a big Generico guy. Like I loved El Generico, and I know you've wrestled him a yeah, few times. A few times. Yeah, quite a few times. Him and him and Kevin. So you ought to yeah, tell us a little bit about how that how that goes because I want to know exactly how the dynamic is uh, was between you guys when you were wrestling. I really want to know: Does Sammy really talk as much as people say he does? <laughs> um, when you the there's a big difference to port performing in the WWE level and performing at the independent level when it comes to communication in the ring for sure. Uh you you do there is still there. There's a lot of talking, without a doubt, but um, I don't know. Some one of my favorite matches ever, especially at that point in my career, um, was wrestling uh, Generico in a singles match, and uh, that was one where um, I was in a storyline where I was in a I was lo in a losing streak, um, and uh, I was losing for about maybe five six months straight at this point. Yeah, I think at this point I was already like six months, and he was like the the last big loss for me before I lost my shit. And uh, it was awesome because I got to have essentially like a main event level match with them. Um, 
in order to, to initiate that loss, right? It was like I tried my ass off to get that point. And um, his understanding of Matt's psychology and flow and structure and the flow of movement, right? Like how you string together the little things. I'm not talking about I do this move and then I do this move. I mean, the transitions even going into that, like the the way the way you cut somebody off and uh, the, the approach to the ropes and the stop. Like I love his, his sequence and he does it you know, regularly where he lets a guy run off and he grabs him by the tights to pull him back in for his blue thunder bomb. There's a lot of little things like that that goes unspoken that people, when you're watching, it's good. When you're a fan watching, you're not supposed to notice the why necessarily, but you should be able to pick up on little things like that to understand how smart a performer is and how he's able to, you know, outmaneuver somebody and things like that. And he's so good at many of those little things if you watch his matches. And especially um, this version of him, obviously, the way he wrestled as El Generico is a bit different than the way he performs as Sami Zayn right now. Um, he's a, just a different character. It's not the, the, the not the same one, so it shouldn't be exactly the same. Um, there's crossover, of course, because he's the same person, but um, but he's really good at a lot of the little things about how he kicks out and when you kick out of something and um and i don't i don't mean like i mean you know whether you wait till last second or how much energy or finesse you put behind the kick out you know or you, you don't you know if you need it to look exhausting and tiring all those little things he's so good um there's he's got a mind for it that um very few people have um, and a, just a general understanding um yeah um, the matches that I that I've seen with you guys and some of them are hard to find, man. Like it took me like I've seen I don't think I've got the I haven't been able to see the whole match because you just, I just can't find it. I don't know where I can find it, but um what I've seen, man, you guys were like you guys were killing it. I can't yeah, remember which one it was that I did see clips from. A lot of that stuff ended up ended up on a IWTV. Um and uh there's definitely I think Everything is up on IWTV. I'm pretty sure. Um, well, what I is, could be wrong about that. And um, what is that? Like, I don't. I'm not familiar with it. Maybe IWTV is uh, independent wrestling. Dot, independent wrestling. Dot TV. Uh, they are the streaming service for independent wrestling. Uh, they stream all of Beyond. They stream all of Chikara. Um, they stream essentially every major indie. That isn't, you know, like GCW or somebody like that who has TVs with who has deals with fight, uh, the fight app. Um, so if they're not on fight, essentially an independent wrestling company, they're on IWTV. Okay, they cool. do the mass wrestler. Um, you know, they do all that stuff. They have they're the ones that have the. If you've ever seen the independent wrestling championship, they they're the ones that own that. Like it's their belt. Oh, okay. You know, it's defended across all of the companies that are on IWTV. Huh. Okay, cool. Uh, and naturally, as we as we always have, we have one of our pets in the background. My dog just started barking. <laughs> um, no, that's pretty cool because I'll have to check that out. I wasn't actually even aware of that. Maybe it was, maybe I'm just not doing. I don't know. I don't do a lot of a hell of a lot of research because a lot of the shows just kind of are just kind of we kind of I don't know. Turtleneck does a deeper dive into stuff typically when when prepping for the show than what I do because I kind of just go at face value because I feel like. And that's where I'm better at it because I can just kind of, you know, like I didn't wrestle much in the indies, uh, but I did work with the, with some cool people on the indies. So I have a little bit of understanding, not quite like yours, hell, 
<laughs> but but I have a little bit of understanding. So that's kind of when we do stuff on the show, I kind of go by my heart and I turtleneck spends a lot more time researching and keeping me keeping me straight. And then we go on tangents about movies a lot in the middle of it. <laughs> I and everything useful else. every now and then. <laughs> um so um, I think we talked a little bit about this on the show, on my show, um, on Vent on Disaster Peace Theater, but like who was your favorite opponent that you've had in the Indies? Um, I guess that I would say I kind of split my one of my favorites up by like where I was at in my career, kind okay. of deal. You know, like there are some that I will I love wrestling, um, and uh, I, let's say like you know I've only got the chance to wrestle once or twice, but I would love to wrestle again. You know, guys like that, and then we've got guys that I've wrestled a hundred times over. Uh, somebody like um. I hate doing this, so uh, I I won't. Uh, if you know who he is, you know who he is. But uh, Fire Ant, I absolutely loved um, working with, um, regardless of what capacity, um, you know, I got to wrestle him as. I wrestled him a bunch, um, and I mean, from I've wrestled him literally in other parts of the world. Like I've wrestled him throughout the U.S. I've wrestled him in other countries, and uh, there's just I, without a doubt, um, I could. I could I could work with him um every night of the weekend I'd be happy. Um there's uh, uh guys like you know like an El Generico type who I got the chance to wrestle with a bunch of times across a couple different uh promotions. Um I think one of my uh favorite matches and I wish I had the chance to work with them more than once uh, was a guy named Fred uh, excuse me. Um, Freddie Ehi, and uh, I got to wrestle him over in Denmark. He's a guy based out of uh, Alabama, and uh, this is another guy that has just like a genuine understanding of what professional wrestling is, and um, and the way it not necessarily should be executed because there's no right or wrong way to perform in professional professional wrestling. It takes all flavors, right? Like to to make a show happen, you should have that variety. You should have people that perform in different ways. Um, but he's got a grappling understanding that most guys don't have like he knows what it means to be a grappling professional wrestler and does it so well and i love that i spent my career obviously as a luchador um and a lot of people assume that it's all high flying and i of course did some of that because i was capable of doing those things but i love submission and mat wrestling um i got to train with a um, gentleman by the name of jorge skyda rivera who ran the Toriumon gym in Mexico early in his career. Toriumon was Ultimo Dragon School in Mexico. They're all the guys that uh, founded Dragon Gate. And uh, I got to work with him many times early in my career and got to learn a lot of really cool stuff. And that led, you know, like getting some of that base knowledge early in my career allowed me to work with other people that um, could work that style, that, uh, you know, that submission and uh, grappling style. And uh, but having that Lucha Libre twist on it. Um, and he's a guy that it just meshed very well with. Um, when uh, you're working a match with somebody and you're able to get a holy shit chant by hitting, and this is me hitting a suplex as a reverse because we're wrestling and the hitting a suplex as a reverse on them, on them, and getting the crowd to get that like that's how you know like that's how good he was and working with him was like when a crowd's chanting, uh, holy shit after a suplex, and I mean like a basic in ring suplex but the intensity the emotion behind it the grappling we were doing the countering we were doing with each other beautiful it's, it's, it's a um one of those few times working with somebody i felt like it was a true work of art 
you know, like what we were putting on. Um, uh, but guys like him, a uh, fire ant, um, man, there's a, uh, Drew Gulak is another one without a doubt. He's, uh, got a mind for wrestling that I, I wish WWE, uh, featured him a bit more. I understand why he's in the position he's in. I won't, you know, um, and I just wish he was uh, used more often. Like that man's got a, uh, another guy with a mind for professional wrestling, like no other. Oh, yeah. we have been preaching that forever. Yeah, we we constantly <laughs> talk about like how he's probably the most un one of the top three underutilized, underrated um, talents in WWE or in 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 wrestling in general. And that's like, the thing. He's a um. I think uh when you think of like, could you know this with music like or comedy? Like he's a comedian's comedian, or in this case with somebody like Kulak, he's a wrestler's wrestler. Like he's your wrestler's favorite wrestler. You know what I mean? More so than a fan's favorite wrestler. <laughs> gotcha. um, and like to me, like that's an important distinction. Like if you're in the know and you understand and even you could be a fan. And I don't I mean you could also be a record wrestling fan and enjoy him. But if you're somebody that enjoys wrestling and wants to study it beyond just flipping through a channel every week. Right. And you start to kind of pick up on all those nuances of, of professional wrestling. You get it. You're like, oh, right. This is why you're good. This is why you are where you're at and why you are still employed without being on tv you know because how many guys do you know that uh you know just get let go when they're in a position like a gulag but he's not and there's a reason for that you know like he's got a mind that is unmatched and he'll they'll probably keep him around as a trainer too even after he decides he's done oh absolutely and if they don't that's pretty dumb <laughs> right um and yeah because i've been a big i mean they they had those matches um when uh, Daniel Bryan and him right before Brian Danielson left to go to AEW, they had some matches between the yeah. two and they were teamed up and they were dude. And that was really cool. Cause that was a clinic yeah. and that was the cool thing, man. I was like, Holy shit there. And I was really excited. Cause like, man, they're giving, they're giving drew a freaking like profile here. And like, I thought they were going to do more with them. And then they just kind of, I don't know, I guess when things switch out and well, stuff you can change. get away with in the pandemic that, you know, yeah. because, <laughs> things were just different then in the way that they were presenting performers too right and who was willing to show up and who didn't have covid and you know all yeah. those things all, all the different <laughs> factors he got it he got his opportunity yeah it'd be um, it'd be really cool to see him do more um and but you you actually came up with him didn't you when you were training and starting off yeah um we all um were training at the same schools um, and um, it's part of the reason why I have a liking for those guys, Fire Ant and um, uh, Drew Gulak and, and, and quite a few others. But um, we all came up in the Philadelphia area and uh, trained at both Chikara and CZW and other places. Um, but, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, cause you, uh, you also, like, was he there with you when you guys? Because I, I, I didn't, uh, when we talked, we were talking before when you were out here, we didn't talk a little bit about, uh, I know that you'd, worked with Claudio a little bit and I know that he was kind of around with you in in uh Chikara and a little bit and training yeah, he's what, he was like one that. of my trainers yeah cool that's awesome my first night ever of uh like going to check out the school was him and Chris Hero um formerly Cassius Ono in NXT but uh, yeah. you know <laughs> whatever uh, the hell <laughs> uh, but him and uh those two guys running class together and um yeah, I got that. That was a the guy. The people I got to train with and where I trained at is just completely 
blows my mind. Um, like I trained obviously with uh, you mentioned Claudio Cesaro and uh, Chris Hero, Mike Quackenbush is my main trainers, but also Sarah Del Rey, who um, you know, uh, was the assistant head trainer at NXT, guys like Drew Gulak, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, um, you know, all, all these guys that I got the chance to train with not just once in a while, but every week, you know, like every Tuesday and Wednesday night, I was in the ring with these guys training and and um having a blast that's um, awesome yeah that's super cool see like now, when i, I know when, you i know ahead. you had a match with heidi lovelace currently ruby soho did you get to work with her often or um uh being on the independence uh ruby was based out of the illinois area okay so i only got to work with her you know at, at shows um or be with i didn't really get a chance to train with her like that um but um one of my favorite matches uh, was without a doubt with her um her debut in chikara was against me in the singles match um, it's, it's and, a good uh, match too dude it's a, it's really bad at very young too like we're you know this is 2011 maybe 2010 somewhere around that time period i don't remember exactly when but i think it was somewhere around then um and uh yeah i i a blast um and uh she um very good um she's awesome uh there's oh, every I, time she, I, oh, every time she doesn't doesn't interview or anything she seems like an absolute sweetheart yeah her personality is genuine like who she is is definitely like who you see on camera is absolutely who she is um and uh i i um i absolutely loved um working uh intergender intergender matches um and uh throughout throughout the independence i wish there were more of a thing on television and whatnot like there are are um reasons to have some separation here and there when it comes to uh storyline stuff and, and things of that nature but um i have wrestled many a women on the independence and she was without a doubt one of the best yeah she's from a she came up uh she's from about 30 minutes from me um, I think she's from West Lafayette, just like literally a stone throw. And I actually got to, I didn't ever got to work with her or anything like that. Cause that was way, way above my pay grade, <laughs> but, uh, she was on a lot of shows that I was on when I was doing stuff too. And she, yeah, I agree, man. She was an absolutely wonderful person. So anytime I see her on TV, I'm like, yay, <laughs> you know, it's like a victory for everyone around here. Cause she, uh, she came up, uh, Illinois, but yeah, Indiana South Bend. Uh, yeah, Indiana. and that could be wrong. She could, could be from Indiana. I don't remember. I just know that area, that part of the country. Yeah, something like that. I knew she wrestled a lot in Illinois as well, like up in the Chicago area too. Like she was just ever, she was everywhere around here when she first uh, started doing. It was pretty cool. But I was always a huge fan. So when I got to watch you wrestle her, I was, I was, dude, I was because, dude, I respect the shit out of you. Like you're great. Like everything I've seen you do, I'm not even kissing your ass because I'm very, I'm very critical. <laughs> Of things that I watch because I, I I'm still able to separate myself, you know, from like when I was in the business to where watching it as a fan still and dude I like that was the one reason why I reached out to you anyway initially was I was like I fucking love this guy <laughs> all the shit you were doing in the ring and and uh, and oh, all I the appreciate that yeah and yeah I told you that before but um so when I got well, I first discovered and Heidi yeah it was great it was freaking awesome. Oh, I first discovered you when you hypnotized the locker room of CZW. <laughs> that my introduction to many people, and, and a, a good introduction at that too. 
That's so awesome. Oh I, man. Um, a lot of um I um I I can owe a lot of uh things to that one video. A lot of my um success and places I've been able to go and things I've been able to do were because of that. Um it's a weird thing to be remembered for, but I that's okay with me. <laughs> if that is my legacy to, to the world of professional wrestling, then so be it, because it gave me a it gave me a healthy career. You know? <laughs> oh, there are far worse things to be remembered for, and at least you're not winding up on dark side of the ring. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh shit. Um so I don't think I ever asked you this question. I may have asked you this before. We'll get back more into topical shit in a minute, but um and I know you're you're retired. Um, but if you could go anywhere right now, like on the, you know, anything is televised, where would you go? Would you go NXT or would you try to go AEW? Um, if I had to go someplace, um, I, I think I, I said this when filming, um, with you that, um, the goal as a wrestling fan growing up in the Philadelphia area was never to go to WWE. Um, I, I just I love WWE. Like I enjoyed watching it. I, without a doubt, it made me a wrestling fan as a kid because that's how most of us introduced, right? Like seeing that on TV when you're a little kid. But um, the independence are what I fell in love with. And um, I, um, if I was on a major television company, I would want to go with AEW over WWE. Um, not because I think necessarily AEW's product is better or you know i just i like the presentation of it it still has that independent feel the structure of matches the um and you can tell a lot like if you're looking at it there's a formula which works there's no need to change that the wwe has or the way they structure their matches and things like that and there's a, a structure and a um a format to aew's matches and how they structure them and all that and it has a lot of that wcw feel still right like if you grew up watching that first hour of nitro you know, when Nitro was three hours and they had the eight to nine block and they had all the, the high flyers and all that stuff. To me, that's what that feels like when you have, and that's where I would be at. I know, I know my, I know my role in professional <laughs> wrestling. Like I know who I am and I'm not saying this like, like high flying that way, but I would be slotted in with those kind of performers or, you know, uh, uh, doing, you know, working with those guys. So, um, I feel like there would be more opportunity to play with those kind of things there. Um, yeah, if I had, if there was a choice, that would that'd be where I would go. That's cool. Um, so my one thing I also was curious about is like, I think that just as with your mind for the business, your abilities, you know, in the ring and things like that. Um, have you ever? Because like I said, I know you're retired because you know for whatever reasons we don't have to go into that. But uh, would you ever think about like trying to go to one of these promotions and be a trainer? Um, I, I, uh, that's a thing that I, I've still done even recently, um, with teaching and stuff. Cause I've, I've done martial arts my whole life as well. from I mean, as a kid to an adult, which is why I was able to do some of the things I was able to do in wrestling. Um, I have the martial arts background. I was teaching martial arts and stuff like that as well. And, uh, I have no problem with that, but I'm happy with the distance, um, that I've had, um, for myself. I enjoy the role that I have now because I feel like, um, I have more to contribute costuming and understanding the difference um, or what a difference a good costume makes and the psychology behind costuming. So a lot of people don't think about this. And it's something that I preached while I was, while I was teaching 
and I still preach now while I'm uh, costuming, is the psychology behind what you wear and why you're wearing it. Um, it's something that a lot of wrestling does wrong. Even at every level, the independence at the WWE level, it doesn't matter what the the even the TV show heels like and all this stuff. Like there's so much that is just you look at, and then some of it's on purpose, right? With like let's say like a television show or like lower, you know, that's obviously they're they're looking like they do from back then. But um, even uh, working on a set that I'm currently working on, where um, I've been making the some some performers I've been making for many years. So I have to show an evolution of who they were to where they're at now. The choices and the colors that you choose. And it's the same thing that you would do while you're if you're directing something or if you're dealing with cinematography and things like that, right? The color choices, the textures in an environment, in this case the textures on a on a piece of fabric, um, the cut of it and how it's shaped on the body and all these things all tell a story just as much as the movements in the ring tell a story, right? And you, I, I, I equate this to cinema all the time because you can get all of the story you need out of a single, if you took a still of a, of a movie, and this happens a lot with like giallo films, right? There's a, you know what a giallo film is because of the colors, you know, because of the, the, the lighting in the room, the, the shading that's on the costuming that's, uh, that's, that's on, um, on the actors in the film, right? So that's what I mean by that. Like there's so much that wrestling tends to ignore that they just, they think of costuming as a secondary thing. Um, and uh, that's where, like I said, I just feel like I'm most comfortable at. Like that is my role. That is where I can make the best mark um, or continue to make the mark that I am in, in the world of wrestling. Yeah, now, is that what drew you to Lucha? Because I've always noticed in Lucha, you have two characters against each other. <laughs> like, yeah. when you had Psycho Clown versus El Hijo del Fantasma, if you're a regular person looking at that side by side, those aren't people anymore. Those are characters going at it. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> as great as Eddie Edwards and Daniel Bryan are, if you put them next to each other on a card, it's just two guys. And then they amaze you with what they do in the ring or what they say on the mic. Yeah, and I think that's part of uh, without without that part of what drew me in um, or is the colorful nature of the characters and the character you're allowed to be. The um, and it's not the it is the mindset of the American viewer. Professional wrestling is only going to change if the consumer of the product changes, right? Like. If WWE just switched all their characters over to look like they do in, in Mexico, luchadors, they would it would fail because the I'm not saying that they couldn't slowly do it over time, but if they just switched to that right away, right? Audience would reject it because that's not what they want. That's not the WWE's fault, right? That is, and that's not even the consumer's fault. That's on them. Um, that is just it's just the way it is. Um, and I think that's an that's important to understand. And it's even like being able to notice that, right, and pick up on that. That's that's huge. Because you're absolutely right. If you look, if you took a, and it was just what I was talking about. If you took a still of a match in Mexico and you saw Psycho Clown against somebody like, you know, Phantasmo, and uh, uh, you know who their characters are. You don't have to know them. You know what their character is. But if you did the same thing in your example, on the flip side, it'd be hard-pressed. If you're not a wrestling fan, you'd be hard-pressed to be able to say anything outside of, oh, that guy's a wrestler. I definitely I know that I know he's a wrestler, but I don't know anything else based on their costuming, based on you know what they look like. Um, there are very few guys like there are exceptions to that, like a Brody Lee type or a, a Luke Harper, right? Like 
Do you know who that guy is? Like, it's pretty obvious. He's got the dirty trucker on. He's got the bandana tied to his wrist. He's got the tricks. Like, you, that's a character, right? Like, there are some guys that get away with just being a plain dude, and that's who they are. But that's because if you looked at that man, what else would he be? You know, like, look at his face. Look at his beard. Like, the way his hair grows. It's it's perfect. <laughs> it was perfect, you know? Um, but, yeah, um, it was a huge, without a doubt, a, a huge reason why I loved and fell in love with being the character that I I wasn't even still lame. I've never, um, you know, I still donned the mask and I refused to show my face on social media um, or ever unmask myself at this point. My, I never will. Yeah, I've tried to live up to that a little bit. Sometimes it's hard. It's really hard sometimes to like try to keep. I don't think there's very many people that have even seen me without mine. Like I try to respect that whole lucha libre um mask thing i don't that traditions because i don't i don't want to disrespect it that's my big thing because the person that got me into indie wrestling um was a luchador uh family he was a family member back when i was in elementary school he's the one who introduced me to it and he always told me about how important the mask was and things like that so i always try to do my very best to just not do that like i mean you've seen me and you, you guys have seen me and my crew has seen me but not like Hardly anybody else has seen me without it, which is awesome. So I think it's not just a respect to the tradition of the performance art, but also a respect to the audience watching. Um, there is a if you're saying I am this character, if I'm going to if I um, am presenting to you, Ophidian, if I'm presenting to you, um, uh, Fantastico, right? Like. I need you to buy into it. I need you to believe it. So you should never see the person underneath of the mask. That person shouldn't exist when in the context of a show, right? Um, and I think the the fun thing about wrestling is that um, it's one of the few story um, – it's one of the few art forms sorry, that transcends the performance art, meaning that we just don't perform it like a movie, right? Like if you go see a film, you – that character is not the character outside of that, um, but we are in professional wrestling. Uh, so it's, I think it's also a major respect thing to the audience watching that you're acknowledging that you want to buy into this persona. So I'm doing my best to allow you to have that opportunity. And if I'm constantly, it's why guys like the undertaker never showed up to um, like the hall of fame, right? Like they'd have it every year, but undertaker never showed up because you don't want to see undertaker in a suit you know in his dead man years at least so you don't want to see him in a suit just hanging out like a normal dude right no it kind of it's not it, it, it takes the some, mystique yeah. yeah right that's exactly um, it that's what i was gonna say the mystique of it yeah and now we get to see undertaker scaring away sharks from michelle mccall <laughs> yeah hey man he paid his dues he's allowed to you know like he's gotta let him live his life now man i'm not against it well, I, I still look at that and just go, Michelle, you can get out of the water. Like, I don't know yeah. if you saw Jaws, but if you just get out, you're good. <laughs> See, we need they need to pitch that to the asylum. Undertaker, Undertaker. shark attack. <laughs> the asylum would probably buy that shit up in half a freaking minute. Hey, man, if Jason Statham can punch and kick a uh, Megalodon, then I don't see why Undertaker couldn't either. And I wouldn't mind seeing him give a last ride to a, uh, you know, to a <laughs> Big white. <laughs> God bless him too. <laughs> oh, like he hell. tombstones a hammerhead. He yeah. last rides a great white. That'd be great. But yeah, one of one of the things about um, you're designing your 
designing the gear that you do because you are the designer for the Dark Fantastico mask. And that's the one of the best looking, best put together masks I've ever seen. Like, and it's comfortable. That's the th that's the one thing I love the most. It looks great and it's really cool looking. And you know, you helped you know I helped and you, you designed it, but I kind of gave you a weird road like a kind of sketchy roadmap. But the, oh my god, it's so comfortable. I can put that thing on, <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm dying in it. <laughs> yeah, that's important to me, big time. Especially if you have to wear it for hours, man. Man, it's the worst if you got like an itchy and scratchy mask on. And I've had my fair share of those. I've even made them for myself accidentally when learning how to make masks, you know, and <laughs> going through that process. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's nothing like having a comfortable, well-made piece of clothing, not just a mask, right? But like things you have to wear all day. Like we wear our favorite, like our shirts that are worn out and destroyed, right? Like are destroyed because they're comfortable. We wear them all the time, right? Like, yeah, it should feel like that. It should feel like something you want to put on. Um, or at least, I mean, we get tired of it, I know, but at least when it's on, you don't feel, you're not angry about it. No, and it, and it the, the, the one you've made for me, it actually, it feels like more of an extension of me, if that makes sense, as opposed to just a mask. Yeah. Because it just, it feels, because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's measured and fit to me specifically. And so it's just like, I put that thing on and I'm just like, where the hell have you been all my life? <laughs> i wish i could have wrestled in that thing it would have been a hell of a lot better than like the like you said the scratching masks and crap that's uh, I, something i get all the time when i'm getting messages about costuming and stuff or guys that'll be like hey you know i just want to make sure the mask doesn't slide on me or things like that I was like you're talking to a professional here like obviously you should not have a mask <laughs> that slides on your head but clearly not your fault you've had bad experiences which is why you're saying this to me like you know, it's not going to slide all beer. Is it like, no, yeah, no, it's not going to. Or why, why would you? No, of course not. Oh. Um, but it's reasonable. A lot of guys have bad experiences because um, making masks is hard. It is very hard. And um, there are very few people that do it. Um, I'm not, obviously, there are tons, comparatively speaking to the amount of performers within professional wrestling, there are very few mask makers. Um I'm one of a few in the U.S. that are like publicly making masks, and um, yeah, we're few and far between. And you've made, um, you've made gear. I think what you made, Kimberly. Uh, I've made a, I've made a lot of gear for a lot of people, without a doubt. Um, I've made like, uh, I've made masks for Andrade. Um, nice. I made gear for Gulak. Obviously, Kimberly uh, is another one. She's one of the one of my uh, wife's favorite people to make gear for because we always went with like crazy themes for a princess um when she was a princess character especially on the indies um but quite a few guys uh jonathan gresham um jordan grace you know like lot random people from all over we've our gear has appeared on um every major promotion within professional wrestling except for maybe new japan you know what for yes. a reason i don't know Mass makers in New in Japan are a different level than what I am. I'm not saying they're I'm not like I'm not at their level, but it's a different ball game. I've got Japanese masks and um, uh, from uh, mass makers uh, and uh, man, completely different, completely different. The design, the structure of them, just and I get it. But, you know, um, it's just different out there. Yeah, that's cool. I need to make sure because we were talking about this before, and I need I need to get with you sometime soon, and I need some new gear. So we'll talk. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> so, um, 
And so, yeah, we can talk about Brock and Cody Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think about that whole dynamic? I think I Cody has to win. Like, if Cody loses this one, then what is there left? <laughs> Plus, this this whole thing has kind of been, hey, people from AEW, come over here. Look what we can do for you. <laughs> yeah. Hard times, brother. Hard times. <laughs> And he ain't talking about the big boss man. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he's talking about nails and Vince McMahon. I <laughs> was wondering. <laughs> it's an ongoing joke on this show where we constantly talk about the ridiculousness of that whole nails. Like, <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. Especially when you put it in context of, so Vince McMahon was super attracted to hot wrestling girl, hot paralegal, hot secretary, nails yeah oh god it's so ridiculous um but uh yeah i don't know so yeah we talk about that but any anywho uh brock lesnar and cody like I, i'm just that might be the match that i'm least interested in on SummerSlam. and it's not really it's not cody's fault it's not really brock's fault i just i just don't care and I and I don't know why. I just don't like. I know other why. Matches. Why? Because when Brock Lesnar was beating up Cody Rhodes in front of Cody's mom, Cody's mom didn't even care. <laughs> yeah, she did. Yeah, she didn't well, sell that real well. To be fair, she did watch uh, Dusty get his ass kicked right his entire career. So like. <laughs> You're like, at that point, just like, look, man, I've watched you. I've watched the older one do a Dustin, right? Like, like she, probably, she probably just get tired of it. She watched Dusty get his eye ripped out by a spike from the Legion of Doom. She's like, this is nothing. <laughs> ah, you'll be fine. You know, just walk it off. This is, this is why I disagree with you on, uh, on, on, on it being boring or not being the, the least, uh, car, uh, least exciting match on the card. I don't okay. think it's the most exciting, but um, for me, this is a personal, this is without a doubt, truly just me. I love watching Brock Lesnar matches because it feels like when you play a video game and you give yourself, like if you the old SmackDown versus Raw games or, or SmackDown games where you could just give yourself like five finishers to start off with, he's the only performer in WWE that's allowed to do that, right? Like it's a, it feels like you're playing a video game. Like when you're watching his matches, it's finisher, finisher immediately, right? Going through the barricade. It's everything you want to do as a kid when you're playing a game. I want to throw you out in the audience. I want to go through the barricades, grab weapons, whatever. I don't care. That's what Brock Lesnar matches feel like. They feel like there's no rules and you just do whatever you want. You know, like this structure, obviously, there is structure within his matches, but it feels structureless. Like uh, the match he had with Goldberg, I love that like six minute, seven minute sprint where they just. They beat the shit out of each other, hit their finishers right away. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. When I see those two guys wrestle, I don't want anything more than that. And uh, obviously there are t- times he turns that off, right? When he fought Daniel Bryan, they had like a 23-minute match. And with Cody, right? They'll have more traditional matches. But there's still that element of like, he could just... Where John Cena, when he teases his finisher at the end of his shine, you know he's not going to hit it, Right? Wrestler's gonna escape, he's gonna grab the ropes, there'll be a turnaround. He that doesn't happen in a Brock Lesnar match. If Brock <laughs> Lesnar picks you up on his shoulders, there's a like a 60% chance he's about to hit his finisher 
right right off of that there's and that's there's an excitement there about watching his matches that you just don't know how it's going to play out outside of like you know it's going to be crazy and you know he's going to hit his finisher four times you know like for christ's sake now you got me interested in the match (laughs) and he's gonna beat the shit out of cody like it's guaranteed given their last match right and the, the way that cody won um he's gonna beat the shit out of cody He's going to, there's going to be blood. There's going to be violence and it's not going to be pretty. Um, And I don't think it should be. If Cody's going to win, it needs to be a violent match. It needs to, he needs to match that. And they, these last couple of weeks where like, he's been on the attack on Brock, right? Like done a good job at that. Cool. Well, we know it won't be like a gushing blood. It, it won't be a Moxley. It won't be a Moxley match. No. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, like I said, I didn't. I don't dislike either one of those guys. It was just, it was just the one that the match that didn't stand out for me. Oh, and that's and, reasonable. Yeah. But, but, but what you're saying makes perfect sense because to me now it does feel like I'm getting ready to turn on SmackDown versus Raw 2009 and just picking Brock Lesnar, and I'm just like, oh, time to fuck some people up. <laughs> yeah, like you used to. Do, he had that one um clothesline. Uh, in um one of the like here comes the pain or whatever where like he does that like shoulder roll clothesline you yep. that you can almost break any animation with like there's no countering it so you just yeah you just wreck people oh my god that's so funny um so yeah now you got me freaking like I said you got me excited for the damn match now so good thank you for that because now I'm now every match on the card I want to watch <laughs> see the way you feel about their match is the way I feel about Ricochet and Logan Paul. Like I, ah, uh, yeah, I got you. We are, well, they're gonna do a cool spot, and that's it. They're gonna dive a, a little bit, and then Logan Paul's gonna say, "Look at me, I can fly," and then he's gonna go back to making crap content on YouTube. Like I, I'm, I dislike Logan Paul. I don't like him as a person. I would rather him not be in the industry. He's getting spots that other people like Drew Gulak and other people in there that are talented to bust their asses through the through the wrestling business for, you know, at least 10 years aren't getting because they wanted to pay Logan Paul, like, what, $5 million on a contract to come in and, fall, like, jump really far? That's bullshit, dude. And Ricochet doesn't deserve it. I, well, this is great for Ricochet because he gets to – he gets exposure by working with Logan Paul. Meaning that it's going to be talked when it's talked about on ESPN, when it's talked about on like news outlets and stuff, because Logan Paul reaches an audience outside of WWE, which is right obvious because he has a YouTube. He's got all the shit that he's got going on outside of pro wrestling. So at least for Ricochet, while it can feel like that, watching it within the WWE outside of that context, he's getting a ton of exposure he would never get otherwise. It's like bringing in Bad Bunny when they did. Bad Bunny was from a business standpoint extremely smart. Uh, that dude was the highest streaming artist in the world on Spotify, right? Untouched. Billions of, of streams. The average wrestling fan doesn't know who he is, and it's understandable they're rather like, who the fuck is this guy? Because he's a worldwide <laughs> artist, not an American, right? He's not an American artist specifically. And of course, I might be a bit biased because I'm Puerto Rican, and, you know, obviously Bad Bunny is also Puerto Rican, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Very oh, few of us on show TV in Puerto at that Rico. level. Yeah, when they had that show in Puerto Rico, it was amazing. Like, they scaled down the ramp, they scaled down the video screen just to put basically the entire island in there. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I mean. That's how, like, there's an audience that needs that, right? Like, so I feel like separate from that, I, I, uh, uh, Logan Paul at least hits that audience in a different kind of way. Obviously, not. The, I don't mean the Spanish demographic, but he hits an audience that WWE would never hit otherwise, even if um, it's still weird seeing him within the program. Um, but at least, at least Logan Paul is kind of made for pro wrestling, right? Like, you hate him. You hate the things he does, right? Like he's a genuine like guy that you want to see get punched in the face. Um, and he's he's all the things that you dislike about Logan Paul, like not just you, but as a human being, right? Like there's right. a lot of things that did not like about Logan Paul on every level makes him a good wrestler. And that's what sucks because he gets heat. He's unlikable. He's cocky. Because he can be, because he's got 23 million subscribers or whatever on fucking YouTube. Like, all those little things, you're like, I hate you, and damn it. Like, it's, yeah, it's such a conundrum, because you, yeah. The, 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 the difference between Logan Paul and Bad Bunny is that Bad Bunny's a good worker. Like, Bad Bunny just gets it. Like, that's the thing I've noticed. Logan Paul, he gets the heat and stuff like that. But he just doesn't understand ring psychology. He doesn't understand. He's just to me. He's just there. You know what I mean? Like he's there, and he can do a few things. Bring in the bring def, bring in the viewers and stuff like that, which is really great for business. But like when I watched Bad Bunny wrestle, even in the Rumble, even a small appearance in the Rumble, I was completely cool with it because Bad Bunny just when I watch him, I, I he gets it. You know what I mean? He just it's like when they brought I feel Kurt that Angle way about in. Logan Paul. I, I think Logan Paul is good in the ring. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying he's great. Obviously, for his level, for what, where he's at and the little bit of time he's had, um, I don't know how much time he's had training. I know he trains, right? Like, I know he has in order to, to perform in the way that he has. Um, I think Logan Paul also is good, which is what I hate about Logan Paul, is that not only are you right, you're like you're an attractive guy, like you know, generally speaking, right? He's an attractive dude. He's in great shape. He's got millions of dollars, and you had to be fucking good at professional wrestling too. This is the way I feel. You had yeah. to show up here and be fucking halfway decent at this. Who fucking? How dare you? Yeah. How dare you show up to this and be competent? I'm not saying great, just right. competent enough. Yeah, it's like um, you're a garbage human being, but yet now, you, now I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I have to see you do this. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah, you're you're probably right about that. I don't know. There's just something about that dude. I just he just rakes across my brains, and not even in the heel wrestler way, just in the human way. Like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> in the millions of dollars of crypto scamming way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's it exactly, Justin. Without a doubt, <laughs> I was that's so what... invested in crypto. <laughs> Goddamn Dogecoin. <laughs> the the best way anyone explained it to me, this financial analyst just goes, All right, let me make this real easy for you. Let's say you're a Mongol and you ramsack a village and you walk out with diamonds, weapons, meat, whatever, and you go, I'm rich. Now let's say crypto is a thing, and you ramsack a village and you walk out with nothing. But Genghis Khan looks at you and says, you're rich. And you go, can I spend it? No. Can I buy anything with it? No. 
well, what's it good for? I don't know, but you're rich. <laughs> it sounds like one of those what are those things called that they the little pictures that you can buy that are yours? NFTs. Yeah, that's what that reminds yeah. me of. I don't know. I, I don't buy into that shit either. Oh, some dude he bought like I think it was Bored Ape, and he spent way more than he should. I think about seven figures, and it's worth like eighty bucks now. Oh my god, that's so dumb. Um, so. Who do you think is going to go, or do you think it's going to be Logan Paul, or do you think it's going to be Ricochet? Logan um, Paul, to the best of my knowledge, has never won in WWE, so as much as I hate to think it, I think Logan Paul wins this one. Didn't he go over on The Miz? Yeah. Or did The Miz win that feud when they had a I, singles match? I think he beat The Miz. If he beat the Miz, I change my prediction. I, I think just don't that's even remember his that. only. I think that might be his only win, because in the tag match they had, they lost because the Miz took the pinfall. If I remember right, um, and uh, mm. yeah, Logan did. Paul won. Oh, yeah. he beat my favorite person. <laughs> okay, you you like you you like the Miz, oh, quite a bit. The the uh, man has won every wrestling championship and he's married to Maurice. If you're not winning at life after that, I don't know what is. Yeah. And you're making that fat money from USA with your reality show. Right. Yeah, the Miz is great. Um, he's a wonderful heel. And I hope they never turn him babyface. You know, like I hope they just let him be this, you know, his heel character for the rest of his career. Um, they tried to turn him face during the whole Shane McMahon best in the world or whatever. Uh Turn, that yeah. was uh, that was a dumpster fire. Then that that ended in like in Saudi Arabia or something. Like, this is why I, I I said a little earlier. I think this might have been before we went live, um, or maybe at the start. That the reason why I feel okay with wrestling now is that we're not where we were at years ago. <laughs> we're no longer watching the best in the world series between Shane McMahon and The Miz. Ooh, God, yeah, that was that was <laughs> like, rough. Like, wow, we're being really generous with this best in the world because they're not the best in the building. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. So right now, though, like in, in the WWE, underrated talents right now, underutilized talents right now, one of the biggest ones to me is Champa. Why the hell are they not letting Champa? Because Champa, I know he's got a lot of injuries and stuff like that. But they should be letting they should be having him do more. He's proven what he can do in NXT as a heel, as a worker, as just a dick. <laughs> like, like, why are you using him for that? They don't get it. So I don't know. I'm all about so while this kind of sucks if it's your favorite wrestler. Like, I'm not saying Champa is just in general. Like, I feel that way about <laughs> Cesaro's run in WWE. But there are just some guys that I, I compare this to like um, a Roddy Piper or like a Jake the Snake. We remember those dudes, but they were never champions. They were never world champions. They won the IC title, but they never won the, the major ones, right? Um, in WWE, uh, I think Piper won the NWA belt, if I remember right, or AWA, one of those. Um, but those guys aren't remembered for being champions. They were remembered for being like good middle mid-card guys. And I think there are some guys that are just supposed to be there you know like there's some guys that are they feel stuck maybe as a wrestling fan if you're a fan of that performer 
but that's their job is to be the guy that's in the middle of the card to elevate the guy on his way up that you know hey if i put you in a match with champa like he's gonna get it out of you he's gonna make you this rookie or this guy we're trying to get over with the audience look good um cesaro is one of those guys where like if you put him in the ring with anybody it could have been a mop in the ring with them it's gonna be a you know as close to a five-star match as they'll allow because obviously they don't always allow that sometimes it's you know you're there for three minutes there's a tv break you know commercial lad specifically you're on air to kill time or whatever the case may be right but if you're allowed to have a match with one of those guys they're gonna make you look good and i feel like he's in that position now uh, where because he's an older guy you know he's up there in age and uh he's in that position where hey like your job now is to make these guys look good. Like you're here on TV. So like, you're going to get some wins here and there because you have to establish them. But I think this is the reason why the guys like uh, Finn Balor never won the championship again outside of the, his debut or like yeah. uh Sheamus, you know, like he hasn't had a world title run in half a decade, if not longer, maybe. Yeah. yeah maybe even closer to a decade. Yeah. Um, I think maybe one of the things that kind of pisses me off about the guys that come in and, and, you know, like I said, I never ex ever expect Champa to ever win like the world title or anything like that. But like, after you see, like, <laughs> I, th I think maybe it's just the fact that like, I've seen him do so many great things. I wish they would let them or book him to do the same types of things because when, whenever I have people over who have never watched wrestling or have not watched it in years, or just like, well, I've heard about that wrestling thing, you know, it's like, you know, but I never really got into it. The one of the first and one of the more modern first things I show them is Johnny Gargano and Champa in NXT, like one of the three pay-per-view matches. Like that's the first thing. Cause I'm like, if you want to see something amazing that can tell a story, like this is what you watch. And and so I think that it it, it kind of upsets me when they bring them up to the main roster and they just well, it's like with with SummerSlam, they've been pushing that feud with with him and and Shinsuke and Bronson Reed, and they're not even putting it on the damn pay per view. The fuck is that about? It's like why even? You know, I don't I don't get. Uh, it. They'll probably be in the they'll probably be in the uh, what do you call it the SummerSlam Pre Battle Royal. Yeah, that's probably what they'll do. Sponsored by Slim Jim, yet somehow not honoring the Macho Man. <laughs> But it will be it will be honoring Jay Lethal for doing a really good impersonation of Macho Man. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so, what do you think? So you're talking about Finn Balor. Do you think Finn's going to go over against Seth Rollins? Oh, that's one where, like, man, I I don't I don't know what's going to happen there with Damian Priest having the title, like. There's some obvious wrestling things you can do, but I don't think you're going to break up the judgment day yet. Um, a lot of it, like the, 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 there is no one currently within WWE that gets the level of heat that Rhea and Dominic get. And those two could work separate from the judgment day, but they work as well as they do because you don't just have Rhea there because Damian Priest and Finn Balor, any of them can show up to help Dominic and do all that. Like Dominic isn't obviously the leader of the group 
but he is in the way the rock was what he was when he was a part of the nation of domination, you know, like he wasn't the lead, but clearly the guy that in a few years, they're going to, I'm not saying they're not going to, the companies are being built around Dominic, but he's going to be there for a long time. Like he's established himself with this angle. He's got a job, right? Like he's secure. Um, yeah. He's got a level of heat. That's going to stick with him for a while. And that's what we keep um, saying too, is that I, his nuclear I would think heat. it's too early to break that up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope. Yeah. I hope Finn goes over and then I, and I hope that if we were talking about this too, Jay Uso goes over and then we had Damian Priest cashing in on Jay Uso after like you were, uh, like Jason was saying, like he, Roman just beats the holy hell out of him after he takes the title. And then here comes money in the bank and cash in. And then all of judgment day has titles. Like that would, Really, I think that would be really good storytelling, and then you can have then the feud with the bloodline goes even further yeah. in because now, like, the titles have been purged from them, and now everyone's pissed off at each other. Like, and the bloodline is already on every single show to include NXT, yeah. That's on Judgment Day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right, yes, yeah, I said the wrong <laughs> one. <laughs> um. So I I don't know I don't know how that would go. I, that's I, I what I and that's what I mean by like. No, go ahead. I see there's a crazy delay on you guys. I can't tell. Oh, it does that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know when you're recording for this long. Um, but uh, but yeah, exactly that. Like that's why it's so intriguing what they're trying to do here with this teasing of breaking them up. You know, obviously like they're just teasing it and teases don't have to go anywhere, but um, I, I hope that's not the direction they go. I think it's cool that you've got this other heel faction that's kind of come up naturally, right? Like the stuff with Dominic wasn't forced. It just happened naturally. And they, and they're running with it. Damien priest is getting over as a, as a heel, you know, and as a guy that you kind of like watching, right? Like he doesn't get, the kind of heel heat that we go away. It's like the heel heat that like we respect you and damn you for being a bad guy, right? Like he's got that 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 kind of um uh, uh persona about him right now. And um yeah, I hope that you you mentioned him beating being the one that takes it from Jay it could even happen at SummerSlam. What a fucking what a twist that would be. It would be right? awesome. They're already which is crazy. Dominic was the first person ever to main event raw NXT and SmackDown in the same week. Jesus, I didn't even realize of that. Everybody, Dominic's the one. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That's awesome. Oh, people were going crazy about it on Twitter. I, I loved it, everybody. It's all nepotism. Like, well, yeah, if Ramos my dad, I'd do it too. Like, I can't fault <laughs> the man for taking a path I would take. <laughs> Yeah, like um, believe me, if my father's so last it's an nepotism is weird. It... <laughs> no, like believe me, if my father's last name was Bezos, yeah. I'd be more than happy to take some of that. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man, God, uh, all yours. You were saying exactly over. that. Like. It's not nepotism when it's happening naturally. Like, yes, did he? Dominic has been in professional wrestling since he was a child. There's footage of him in WCW, right, being on TV. There's footage of him when Eddie was around during the feud with the Amir Papi stuff. Like, he was 
It's not, he's been there since he was a child, since before he was allowed to make a decision about whether or not he enjoyed wrestling, right? He was a part of the business. You can't call that specifically. Um, you can, yes, but that's not, we're not being force fed Dominic, you know, like this is happening because it's genuine, like his level of, of heat and uh, people love to hate him. Right. Ex-con Dom, man. I'm all about it. Give him the belt. Give him all the belts. Let him be the one to beat Roman. (laughs) That intro of WrestleMania was fucking spectacular with him getting out of the The paddy wagon, prison van, or whatever. (laughs) That was so funny. (laughs) It was so good. But yeah, like I was saying, man, Dominic, like there's two people in wrestling that have that have nuclear heat right now. And Dominic is one. And uh um, Don Callis. Don Callis is the other. Holy shit! Like this is more Ooh, heat than Don yeah. Callis has had ever. But Dude, so much heat that a cameraman why. goes at him. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't understand why though. Like, like maybe it's just that people love Kenny Omega that much. That like Don Callis has become like public enemy number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Some people are just fun to hate, kind of like the Miz, man. Like that's why Miz can never really be a full on good guy. Like it's just some people you just you know, like you just want to boo. Yeah, those are my thoughts about Charlotte Flair, where it's like, why do you keep trying to make her a good guy? Like, stop it. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah, I I'm not saying in real life she's not a nice person. She could be. Like, obviously, I don't know her personally, but her persona in wrestling. There's nothing likable. Like she's a genuine, like she's an unlikable per in the in the good kind of way, right? Like, and she has every right to be. She's the daughter of fucking one of the most famous professional wrestlers of all time. Like you're Ric Flair's daughter, right? Like, yeah, you've got the lineage and the pedigree to tell me to my face that you're better than me. You know, like absolutely you do. You've you've you have that bred into you. Like fucking why. Why deny it, right? Let her be the heel. Frick Flair was never a baby, you know, like we're baby face here and there, obviously. You got you got cheered, but like Flair was the same way. He was a yeah. heel for most of his career because he's just he that's who he was. He you believed it. And I believe I believe Charlotte Flair thinks believes that she's better than any of us. Yeah, I'm oh yeah, I'm sure. And yeah, man. I, I don't know about that match though at SummerSlam. Like I'm really that's another one. Actually, you know what? I did I lied because I I'm into the Cody Brock Lesnar match more than the women's title match right now. On that end. Not not Rhea, because she doesn't even have a match at SummerSlam, does she? No. Yeah, that I don't get that. But I don't care about like Charlotte. I the only the only member that you, there's two members of that uh of the women's division on SmackDown, I I love Io Shirai. I get Io Sky now. She's great. You know, I I'm I love Bailey. I think Bailey is one of the best heels they have. She's such she's so unlikable. <laughs> Coming from someone who is the hugger, yeah. you know what I mean? Like she managed to like turn that around, and when she came out and popped the the inflatable guys and stuff like that, that was great. And but but like Oscar, they're not making her a monster like they should. 
like when she came back as the like we were talking about before when she came back as the clown they just kind of just had her a clean clown makeup and they just it's just business as usual you know she's not as any bigger of a threat as she was before so it's like why did you change that gimmick because it doesn't really matter i know they needed to freshen it up but i kind of liked other oscar a little bit more because they haven't done anything to prove otherwise and and bianca bianca's a great athlete like she's that, that that girl is strong as shit but after she was yeah. champion for a year you know and and in mediocrity like that was the thing it wasn't her fault but she was booked in mediocrity just just boring you know matches and it's not even her opponent's fault it was just the way it was booked it was just throw it in there we don't care here's an opponent we don't care let's put Liv Morgan in every other match you know what I mean because the internet thinks she's great and let's just do that and so adding that dynamic into that match, I just don't, I'm like, whatever, you know, whatever happens, maybe, maybe Io Shirai is going to cash in or whatever. And that would be cool. On a, whatever happens, I'd be okay with that. If that's what happens, but who knows? I'm more interested in Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey because I freaking love Shayna Baszler so much. Oh, so. did you see the video package they made for them? Like detailing Shayna lived with Rhonda uh, yeah, just to get would... beat up. <laughs> it was so insanely yep. well made. It's so cool. Yeah, I I, I like Ronda Rousey, but I lo- I love Shayna Baszler, and and the fact that and the one thing I was telling you about with this match is these are two people that I know are legitimate badasses that are getting ready to have a match. And and outside of the you know outside of the business, they're friends. So I know they're going to do some cool shit because they're going to be on the same page about it. So and and I and even though even though I know they're friends, like I'm still buying into the feud. That's the cool thing about it. Like they've managed to transcend that. <laughs> so I'm I'm really interested in that. I've been wanting to see this match for like five years. <laughs> So who knows? Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do it right away because they they could have fallen into that trap of having them fight early on when Ronda needed more time. Like she's obviously gotten better and better the more time she's been around wrestling, and you can see how much she's progressed from when she first showed up. Uh, you know, when she's performing in the ring. Um, so I'm glad that we're getting it later into her career, or you know, she's not going to be around for much longer, right? She's she didn't start this when she was young. She had a full UFC career. We can't expect to have her for a decade <laughs> longer, you know. Like, mm-hmm. so, uh, this is about the, about the right time to have it. And and Shayna Baszler, like I said, it's really hard for me to watch her lose to anybody because she's such a legitimate badass, you know. And and, she, and the way that she portrays herself is a legitimate badass. So anytime they put her in a match, like that's like I said, you know, I'm using Liv Morgan as an example, but you know, like I don't buy Liv Morgan getting any offense on Shayna Baszler at all. Like <laughs> I'm seeing Liv Morgan run in and go blah, and then just get an arm bar and she's done. You know what I mean? Like that was what was what is that what, what happened the other day where Shayna was wrestling and someone came? It was Nikki Cross. She came yes. in and it was like it was like what twenty seconds, and Shayna Baszler yeah. just had her, and I was like, "That's exactly what I would expect to see when Shayna Baszler's in the ring." And and some of the matches when she you know did the the Queen of Spades and NXT, man, fuck, I love that. That was so cool. 
and I don't think there's been a good NXT Women's Champion since she left. That's my oh, opinion. Oh, I think Rhea, when she took the championship off of Shayna, was a fine one. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I still thought Shayna, it was, it was it meant a lot because Shayna had had it for so long. But Rhea does way better now, you know, with what she's doing in the ring now. So I don't know. Like, it's just, it's weird. We could talk a little bit about AEW now. <laughs> okay. Which I'm a little more critical of than WWE. And it's just, it's just because, and I've said this before, I don't try to, I don't try to talk shit. I just, I just want AEW to be the best it can be because I want good wrestling everywhere. You know what I mean? I want, I want to see good wrestling. I want to turn on both shows and be like, that was fucking awesome. Well, I'm going to blow your mind with one single statistic from AEW Dynamite. Okay. John Moxley versus Tremperetta versus Penta. John Moxley is the last one to bleed. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty funny. And like I said, I've been I've been on shows with him uh, back in the day, and he's always been that way. He He wants to he wants to bleed it every time he's in the ring. And I never understood that. And I never asked him because I probably was on maybe like a half a dozen shows with him. And I just, he was always just like, are we going to blade? <laughs> like why? This is an independent show. There's like maybe 150 people here. Why would you want to bust yourself open so bad for that? You know I mean? It's cool that you want to do cool shit for the fans. But, like, at the same time, the fans are going to love it if you just go out and have a match. Like, they're going to be just as happy. You know, him and Sammy, man. Him and Sammy were Sammy Callahan. Both those guys are crazy like that. They always wanted to do that. It's nuts. Maybe I'm over overexposing. Just play conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those guys. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I... What's up? Oh, I, thought you, I thought you were saying something. No, I, that was their ta- their tag name, the Switchblade Conspiracy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, all they needed was Jay White with them too. They could have had a whole thing going. It would have been. <laughs> uh, AEW, like I said, I'm a little more critical of it, and it's mostly just because I get upset because it's like I was so hyped, um, and I didn't know much about those. A lot of those guys, I knew the Bucks, and I knew them primarily from when they were generation me and tna and i got to see them when they first were going you know but i did see a lot of the ring of ring of honor stuff and they get such a stigma though and that the whole the whole thing with punk and all that stuff like it's really kind of soured me on them i'm hoping that that'll be mended soon so i will not want to watch them get kicked in the face (laughs) but like i don't know I don't know how this just came to me, but it, all, all the talk I keep hearing of this is so unprecedented, all these fights backstage, all these issues backstage. No, it's not. Listen to stories about Shawn Michaels in the 90s. Yeah. Like, there have been fights in backstage yeah. politics since the dawn of people. Yeah. Well, I, you know. Uh, one of my favorites is the one Jericho told about Kofi fighting Vince. Yes. <laughs> On the plane. Oh, I haven't heard this yeah, one. Yeah, on the plane. This is one I have not heard. Uh, I think it's in Jericho's book, or is it Kofi's book? Jericho's. 
which one of Jericho's books? He has like what fifteen yeah. now. The first one, I believe, around the world in spandex <laughs> is what it was called. <laughs> oh man. Okay, I think I, I think I have that one actually. Maybe I just don't remember. Um, I the one thing um Jericho gets shit, especially from Cornette and other guys, but. The one thing I enjoy about Jericho in AEW is that he's living up to what he should be doing. He's having matches. He's having decent matches. You know, the guy, he's 50. So, it's, I mean, it's really going to hard for him to, to break it out like he used to. But he's also given guys, like, the rub. You know what I mean? And I, and I like that. Like, he put yeah. over ac- Action Andretti. He put over, like, no one. I didn't see that one coming in a million years. But, like, good for good for him. And that's one thing. And even though people are giving him shit and stuff, it's just like he's elevating wrestling. You know what I mean? He's just elevate. He's elevating talent, and that, um, yeah, it's 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 a weird position to be in because you need veterans on shows, right? Because obviously, a guy like Jericho did help AEW bring in an audience that probably wouldn't have checked it out because there's a lot of people that love Jericho. He's been around for a long time and you need guys like him on TV still. Same reason why Sting is still occasionally having matches. Um, But there's a way to, especially with how deep their roster is, Jericho doesn't have to wrestle as much as he does. Same thing when the Hardys were wrestling and Matt Hardy, like they don't need to wrestle as much as they do. Not everybody. And I think this is part of what kind of gets lost a bit. Um, uh, on modern television at the moment is that uh, you can still be, you can still be involved on, on the television product without having matches. And AEW does a decent job at doing that. Um, except with certain characters, um, you don't have to, you can wrestle once every three or four months. And I'd be okay with that with a Jericho or a Matt Hardy or, you know, like those kind of guys, not because they're bad, but I want them to still be able to perform in the way that they do. Um, but also because just we have 30 years of matches for these guys. We don't need to, we don't need, you know, we don't need them uh, performing all the time on, um, on, you know, in these settings, except for when it really means something on a pay-per-view or, you know, to put over your occasional younger guy to give him that rub. Um, I think that it's part of what hurts us as professional wrestlers and as fans that um, the guys aren't given that kind of break, you know, where they don't have to, you don't have to perform all the time. You don't have to have matches every week. And I understand when you're a younger guy coming up and you're making your name for yourself. Absolutely. Sure. But um, we don't need it. Our bodies, the, the wrestlers bodies can't take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's now, good. what would be your thoughts on like a Lucha underground style where not everyone was on every show but you still had your favorites, and in my opinion, that made you more excited to see them. Like, I loved Mil Muertes in that show, and when he wasn't on, it was like, oh, darn. Then when he was two weeks later, it was, yeah, there he is. <laughs> Plus, Absolutely, and the weeks that he's not on, you still have back... <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get those vignettes backstage and stuff those weeks that they're not on. Um, and that's what I mean. Like, there are other ways to still feature performers so an audience doesn't forget them, um, which is other television shows or uh, other long-form media does really well that 
wrestling hasn't always picked up on or they drop you know after doing it for a little bit i loved lucha underground wrestling society x was another one that that did it pretty well uh, as far as like that format of like rotating who was on the shows and whatnot and i lucha underground i it, i'm upset that it's gone like if there was a place that i feel like was designed for me to format that was the place i loved lucha underground and um uh, I think that we need more wrestling like that. We need that um, taking professional wrestling and putting it into the context uh, or putting it into another uh, format, like a 13-episode season or, you know, uh, wrestling that happens in within film. Um, because cinematic matches, I don't mean like WWE style. I mean like that style would also be a blast to watch. Um, which we don't really get very often. We've had a couple of wrestling movies, and there have been some independent ones over the last decade or so, um, like independent like wrestling films and whatnot. But um, wrestling in that style was a lot of fun. Like Lucha Underground felt different from WWE and from AEW and all that other stuff. And I think we need more of that. You know, saying you could see yourself in Lucha Underground, I'm loving the idea of you in the Reptile Tribe with Cobra Moon and Luchasaurus. That would be so much fun. Dude, I tried. I I was I that was where I was campaigning in my heart, without a doubt. I loved the I loved what they were doing with the the that and Cobra Moon especially. Like I liked Thunder Rosa, um, and uh, yeah, I want more of it. I wish it was still around. Yeah, I, man, I know, we even... haven't we haven't seen her since she walked into Tony's office. <laughs> like she just walks into Tony's office on the Dynamite before Collision debuts. Then we never hear from her again. It's like Richie Cunningham's brother going upstairs. <laughs> never coming back down. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm dating myself. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. So, I mean, I think in some aspects, AEW is, is getting better. Um. I, and in a lot of aspects, I think they're getting better. Um, when it first came out, I was so I was so overhyped in my head about an alternative product. When I finally got to watch it, I I really was kind of like I don't I don't really know a lot of these dudes. I I only know Jericho, and I've heard of Kenny Omega, and those that's Generation Me, and I'm just, but I like I I didn't really, you know, I just didn't really. And then they just every time I would look at the internet, they'd be like. You know, so-and-so is all elite. So-and-so is all elite. And I'm like, these are all guys, like, from Japan. I've never, <laughs> I've never watched it because I never really followed New Japan too much. I did way back, you know, like, with Pegasus Kid and, like, you know, and all that shit. But I never watched it later on, like, when they had the Bullet Club. I didn't know what the hell the Bullet Club was, really. I saw some people wearing T-shirts, and I knew that, like, AJ Styles was in Bullet Club, and I knew, like, over there, but I didn't know anything about it, so... But as I've been watching AEW, and I think this is kind of, this is how Tony Khan has kind of, been, he's, he's improved. At first, I didn't think he really kind of understood what he was doing. Uh, but I think he's learning things. And he might be, I think he listens to Twitter a little bit more than he should sometimes. But it's like the other day, like they were, he, they were booking Keith Lee, like just weirdly. You know, and like just not doing anything. And then they finally just said, okay, dye your hair black again, go into the ring. And then we got to see the Keith Lee of old. And that, like, I was like, hell yeah, because that's the Keith Lee I love. You know what I mean? I didn't like, 
having him with Swerve and the tag team thing, and it was all weird, and then it went nowhere. But I think Tony Khan's starting to learn, like, okay, you know, how can we can fix this a little bit here and there? And his storylines aren't quite as sporadic as they used to be. They're kind of all starting to come together a little bit more than they were. I don't know what you guys think, but that's kind of what I think about it. I don't know. A lot of thoughts all mixed into one right there because I rambled. But whatever. <laughs> it's hard to um, it's hard watching our company start from scratch, right? Like uh, it's WCW. We didn't see that with WCW because we're all of a similar age. Where WCW, obviously, that they they changed their name from uh. Uh, what they were in the, the they were an NWA affiliate in the eighties and stuff, right? So they were always around. They had a formula, they had a roster, they had an idea of what they were doing. But when you're starting from scratch and you're pulling in all these guys from all over the world, and you don't know what to do with them, you don't know who your, you know, who your popcorn matches are, guys. You know, you don't know who your main eventers are. You know, like all the stuff they're figuring that out. We're watching it happen live every week <laughs> you know what i mean and right. it is rough sometimes and i'm not saying that i i like aw's product but it's a strange place to be in i don't know if you watched uh nwa tna when it was a weekly pay-per-view mm-hmm. i did um in the 2002 run and on someone some of that early stuff is the same level of bad you know like there's some great stuff that was happening there without a doubt but it took them a little bit of time to find their place and even you know like say what you will now like impact is good like uh impact knows its purpose and knows its place or right? it understands its roster it's gotten a lot better at it but it took them a long time to get there um we're watching it happen on a larger scale and uh it'll i think it'll be i think that they're doing good i think they have been doing good for a few years um and uh they're not trying to target the demographic that wwe has a lock on um, they're targeting a different demo. And uh, that's why we're seeing shows at it. It's working to an extent, you know, like the networks obviously like what they're doing. So they're adding more television shows. And um, I think that's exciting is that they are, they know they're an alternative and they're going to continue to be. And I don't mean like the other one. I mean, like they are an alternate type of inter- wrestling entertainment. Um, and I yeah, think that, that's great. Yeah, that makes sense. That I want more sense. stadium empty stadium matches <laughs> we just need another pandemic <laughs> oh there was that quote triple h gave where he said something akin to they're a smaller company they're a secondary company like yeah they're also only four years old like that makes sense they're establishing themselves they're still finding what's working and what's not yeah like i'd be more shocked yeah. if it was hey we started four years ago and now we're the best that's ever happened in WWE. I mean, yeah, do your yeah, it's your... not like uh yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like WWE, like like you were saying, they're different products, completely different products, you know. And I think a lot of the time, and even myself, a lot of the time I you know, you people don't see that. And I sometimes I find myself not comparing at you know apples to apples when I shouldn't be, you know what I mean. Because it is different. It's not that one's better than the other. It's just they're very different. And like I said, I love all wrestling. And it's like, I just want both to succeed. Because when both succeed, that's just good for everybody. You know what I mean? And they're, it's not like they're trying to 
put each other out of business because they're not doing that. They're not going head to head on Mondays, which is probably a really good thing that they didn't do that. Um, even when they did NXT versus NXT, you know, on Wednesday night, I, I, you know, I think that that could have been some healthy competition because NXT is kind of rough a lot of the time. Now they do have some good workers in there and some good matches, but a lot of the time, NXT is like, I watch it. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to watch this next week. <laughs> you know, um, and that's not really fair to the talent, but it's just the way it's played. Yeah, it can. Uh, it's it's um it's a strange thing because uh this doesn't ha- like when we watch television like sitcoms right like we're not watching actors learning the ropes you know what I mean like when you watch something like I don't know like a, like a like a regular TV show you you ex- you know you know like this is the final product there's no they're not learning how to act in front of you and you know things like they're not learning how to perform but with nxt you're watching people some people have their very first matches you know like you never get that a movie's never going to tell you this is this person's first time acting on screen you know things like (laughs) that uh and nxt is it is such a unique experiment within the world of entertainment to be like hey not everybody obviously you got your veterans that are there that come into help out with the young guys but like hey like this guy he's gonna suck for a long time but we need you to watch him for a little bit you know like we need you to right that's a major commitment to be like oof all right i guess i'll watch this guy be bad for six months before whatever clicks clicks for him to you know to get it or them or or whoever it is that we happen to be watching it doesn't exist in other forms of entertainment and it even goes into like watching aew and things like that wrestling is the only art form that happens in the same uh, time that we exist in, right? Like a week for us is the same as a week for professional wrestling. You know, professional wrestling happens at the rate in which that we live. So with like a television show, we can watch these things progress and change quickly. And we're used to that rapid progression in our other forms of entertainment, but that's not the way professional wrestling can work. It's a weekly episode, like it's a weekly story, and their week is the same week as ours. So it can feel daunting sometimes because you're the progress can feel slow comparative to anything else, any other form of entertainment we consume. It's the only one like it. It's it's outside of professional sports, like you know, watching the 16 weeks of a football season or you know, things like that. 17 weeks. Yeah, I'd say one of the things that within uh, on NXT that I was I really respected was uh was it was it it was Tiffany Stratton that said it she came out and she was like I don't want to go to the main roster because I'm not that good like she actually just came out and said I'm not that good yet you know I still need to learn a lot and I don't want to go anywhere and I don't feel like I should be going anywhere like I respected the shit out of that comment I was like man that's someone who understands why they're in it why they're there in in the position they're in so yeah and like i think that i think maybe that's why they're keeping braun because i know braun breaker he's ready to go on the main roster i mean they'll probably flubber or whatever it but i think they have him here that because they're still because they know he's still that he is good and he's now he's at that point where he's like a, a veteran of nxt brought up in nxt and now he's helping all the new guys come in i mean i mean that's kind of what i get from him but I mean, I don't know. It's weird. It's it's really you're you're right. NXT is a very different animal 
and I forget that sometimes. So. Yeah, I mean, Braun got to have a match with Seth Rollins on NXT. Like, that alone is, you had a match with the champion of Monday Night Raw. Like, if that's not experience, I don't know what is. And maybe that was like a tryout or something. Maybe that's what they were trying to do. Just to see how he handled working with a main roster guy on NXT. I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to tell. It's also this weird predicament because not only are you watching these guys, you know, like learn the ropes, but they also start to appease the network gods that decide whether or not they can be on TV. And if you're constantly throwing your roster away to another television show, you know, like you're only shooting yourself in the foot. So it's this weird place to be at, right? Where like there's got to be people that are there regularly so that. You know, there's an audience that grows attached to a character, but also they want to make more money and go to Raw or SmackDown or whatever, right? To to be bigger stars than they can be on NXT. So it's a, it's, a, it's weird. It's a, it's a, like it's there's no other comparison, you know. Yeah, you know the analogy you gave of you're watching people learn. I can't help but picture how hard that must be. Like, if you were to put a camera in an actual wrestling school and just follow one person's career, you wind up with the person being so familiar with this guy that the finished product doesn't even impress them all that much. And you wind up with a moment like Roddy Piper going, that's not Saba Simba, that's Tony Atlas in a dress. (laughs) That's Tony Atlas. Yep. (laughs) The greatest. He And I still love that because he just... It's one of my favorite things where Roddy just took a shit all over that gimmick. Poor Tony Atlas. Like, I don't think it was poor Tony Atlas. Tony probably didn't want to do that gimmick anyway. He was just doing it because it was, he was getting paid to do it. But, yeah, I bet you Vince just was sitting back there going like, son of a bitch, stop it. Stop it. We're going to put good money into that. We had costumes made. And and it's like, no, that's, that's Tony Atlas. Oh, that's one of my favorite moments in wrestling from that era. <laughs> so funny. Leave it to Piper. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, so, I mean, I think we've, we've pretty much talked a lot about the product and things like that. And so, Well, I do just want to say one thing. Chuck Taylor had my absolute line of the night after the main event. His boy Trent Beretta wins. Trent has won anything goes between Moxley, Penta, and himself. For Chuck Taylor to get on the microphone and say, well, that didn't solve anything. Like, if you're Trent, you look over and go, dude, I won. Like... <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh, and in a in a rare win for Trent, like a rare main event win, you know. Yeah, like that that probably felt really good. Like he hasn't won in forever, anyway. Right. God, how long has it been since he's won like a match to that caliber? Oh God, I I do not know. I, I don't know. Like when he maybe it was. When he was in on SmackDown, I don't think he has. I would probably say, <laughs> oh 
man. I'd probably say it's probably his biggest win in AEW. Like, as far as, like, an actual full-on win, that's probably his biggest one. His last huge win was probably the parking lot brawl. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about the parking lot brawl with his mom and the van, and yeah. (laughs) About that, too. God. Man. Oh, shit. That's the professional wrestling I love. That right there. (laughs) So, I'm still hooked on these things. Thank you for that, by the way. Still have these uh, ghost things. You're welcome. I've got got cases of them down. I I need to buy cases of them because they're they're what keep me awake during late night editing sessions. (laughs) I'm just there like, ghost, ghost, damn you, Ophidian, ghost. Oh shit. Um well uh we can probably wrap this up. Uh thank you for coming on here with us. Um and hopefully you you want to talk a little bit about Kate Kate and your show. Yeah, if you like to hear me run my mouth uh with these two uh jabronis over here, uh <laughs> then you'll enjoy hearing me run my my mouth with my wife on our uh on our twitch channel uh TV. you can go to that link and uh, it'll take you to our twitch channel uh she's at kate nix on twitch i stream on there with her we stream uh our sewing business closet champion uh on that twitch channel so you can watch how professional wrestling gear is made we talk about it and then we also do a weekly variety show um where right now our new season is going to we're in production for it. our new season begins at september um and uh, that'll be season eight for us and uh we have puppets and uh pre-recorded segments and live music and all types of shenanigans that go on it's an interactive twitch show and you might think all oh, the twitch is interactive as a chat no this is a level that you wouldn't uh you wouldn't normally get um with um the ability to um communicate with us live about the songs we're performing and how we're performing it whether we have kazoo solos whether you have creatures and monsters appear on screen with us all types of stuff our new season starts on september 19th um it's a tuesday night um, so you can also catch us almost every Tuesday on Twitch. We we do throw stuff up on there, um, whether it's uh, gaming or like a live streaming or closet champion uh, expeditions as we're making gear and whatnot. And I've seen it and it's freaking awesome. And I'm not just saying that because Ophidian's my bro. <laughs> it actually is a pretty cool show and uh, they do a lot of really fun stuff. I did slide him a 20 to say that. <laughs> Uh, this is theoretical dollars over the internet. That's what I pay turtleneck into. <laughs> They're all going into a theoretical IRA. Yes. And you also, uh, and Fidian is on uh, Fantastico Disaster Beast Theater this season too, which is really cool. I was really happy to have him there, even though he's constantly beating me with stuff. That, that kind of sucks, but... <laughs> But uh, you know, it's the only reason why he's well, here right when now. When you hang out around a bunch of professional wrestlers, <laughs> you oh, expect a beating when there's a professional wrestler in the room. <laughs> Hold awesome. on, you just reminded me of this, and this line is far too good to throw away. So Jerry Lynn confronted Hook, right? 
And Jerry Lynn tells him he's not going to fight him because that would be child abuse. So Jerry Lynn calls out 56-year-old RVD <laughs> to abuse the child instead. Oh, uh, God. And I, I hadn't under- seen that yet. I was wondering why RVD was there. Yeah, I was like, you guys mentioned that yesterday because it was like, I didn't get to see it. And I love RVD, but so I was just like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then he came, he came out to the Pantera song to his ECW theme. I'll be seeing what's left of Pantera in two days. <laughs> that's left of them. Damn, that's that's cold, Obi-Wan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, crap. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for being here, Fiddy, and I appreciate you popping on the show. And uh, you had a lot of really good insight. Thanks for having to, me. Yeah, anytime, anytime you want to pop in here, you can. I know you're busy. You're making stuff all the time, constantly making stuff. But you're still welcome to hang out with us anytime you want. And you can plug your show and Thanks. Talk, about, talk about wrestling and talk about whatever. <laughs> we can talk about stuff. Girls that broke our hearts or the Matrix. Sorry, that was from the Clerks animated series. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. For or Jason the Turtleneck Hilton. Myself. Less than legendary luchador gringo fantastico and our special guest. <laughs> Ophidian. This has been. Go ahead and you can say the outro. Headlines, headlocks, and hijinks. Yes, that's it. That's our show. So we're not really good at the end segues, but uh <laughs> oh yeah, I'm supposed to plug the app too, like Troma Now app. You can watch the new season of Fantastico Disaster Beach Theater, which premiered three days ago as read on Fangoria. So that's always fun. Yeah, see, that's what I'm doing. I'm plugging the app. See, I beat you to it this time. He always holds up the sign and tells me to plug the app at the end because I always forget. I did not forget this time. Uh, but yeah, episode one's on right now. And uh, you'll get a new episode at the beginning, at the first of every month, unless Troma gets a wild hair up their ass and decides to throw one of the episodes i've sent to them early up on in the middle of the month which god i hope they don't do that without telling me because that would suck and i wouldn't be able to promote properly <laughs> so yep all right guys thanks for joining us and uh try not to hurt each other and just don't be dicks i think that's that's the the best advice i can give people this week don't be dicks just be nice so all right guys take it easy <laughs>